Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sangai Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. Sangai with you as normal. Some show notes before we jump into things with our guest today. If you are looking for some professional wrestling tonight, WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. FGW in Hamilton, Ohio. POW in Eugene, Oregon. In Chicago Style Wrestling in Franklin Park, Illinois. Tomorrow night, you can find myself in Orchard, Washington for CPW. New Era Wrestling in Shelbyville, Indiana. WCWO in Beach Grove, Indiana. Wrestle Club in Nysa, Oregon. PPW in Bedford, Indiana. FWF in Warsaw, Indiana. Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana. ECW in Monticello, Kentucky, AWE in Jackson, Michigan, NWF in Ludlow, Kentucky, Old Wrestling in Muncie, Indiana, Signal 10 in Clayton County, Indiana, NWR in Peoria, Illinois, TSW in Jellicoe, Tennessee, Dive Wrestling in Weber, Utah, DCW in Salt Lake City, Utah, Blue Collar Wrestling in Roseburg, Oregon, and Dark Arts Entertainment in Las Vegas, Nevada. Without any further ado, I want to welcome to the show our guest today. He is out of the great state of South Dakota, one of the premier wrestlers in all of the Midwest. Brandon Nitro, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. Yeah, thank you, but don't forget, I am more than Brandon Nitro. I am the South Dakota sex symbol, the Sioux Falls stud. Your heartland heartthrob and your mom's favorite wrestler. I mean, I don't want to sell you short, but that, that I, you got to get it all in there. I didn't want to run through all of our time with you by by going through them all, but you are all of those things and more. And when I say you are one of the premier guys in the Midwest, you are one of the top guys in all of the Midwest, which is a thriving area for pro wrestling. But can you tell us, to start off, how did you get involved in this crazy business of professional wrestling? Oh, I was, uh, basically my girlfriend, it's my wife at now, but my girlfriend at the time, she saw a training seminar, seminar uh, camp thing held by, uh, Nick Eugene Densmore, and uh, I was like, man, I can try that. I, I went and I had this jar at my house that friends came over. They put their change in it and everything. It paid me to get to this wrestling school to do this seminar, and it was basically whoever did the best in this seminar would get a free semester of training, and I, like, came up second. <laughs> but uh, I was hooked just from, like, a two-week camp that I did, and uh, from there, it just it just snowballed. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I I try to think of my life without it, but I it's hard. <laughs> now, my arch nemesis Dinsmore, of course, uh, moved from Kentucky to South Dakota, and he sort of kick started independent wrestling in South Dakota because there yep. weren't very many companies running there. When you look back yeah, there is, at it is there's oh, one ahead. company in South Dakota that there's one company in South Dakota that runs total. And it, it I mean there is not much wrestling here. You got to travel to get there. Exactly. And uh, Nick Dinsmore found that out really quick. And when you look at South Dakota from when you were 
looking to break into wrestling to where you are now a few years into your own career, have you seen growth as far as the popularity in pro wrestling and the education of wrestling amongst the fans, or do you see it as uh, still a big work in progress? It, it, it's come a long way from where it was. I mean, I, we were in some pretty dive bars wrestling for quite a while there with low rings, low ceilings, and really had to have character work and uh, some ground uh, wrestling to be wrestling there. Now we have a beautiful venue, which is nice, but just it, it gets hard to get the people to come back and be able to pay the wrestlers because, uh, it, it, I mean, with today's day and age, it's just, it, for a family of five to come watch a wrestling show, it, it gets upwards of 100 bucks, and some people just can't afford that. Now, South Dakota is interesting because in the old territory days of wrestling, we're talking 30, 40 years in back, it was part of the AWA territory, so Vern Gagne's promotion would do shows in the bigger South Dakota towns, but not on a regular loop. They were occasionally there. And I believe Two Hearts, a Calgary-based promotion, would sometimes come into South Dakota for the occasional show. Do you ever look into the history of professional wrestling within South Dakota to see what actually has transpired there? Uh, Not not really. I know that, uh, yeah, Vern Gagne would come through here. Uh, Um. Yeah, that's the, really. I didn't know too much. My aunt says Captain Lou Albano came through once. Otherwise, there 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 wasn't much wrestling besides. I mean, the first wrestling I went to in South Dakota was Monday Nitro back in '99. And now it. I mean, we barely even get a house show that'll come through from like WWE. The closest they get is Omaha. Or Minneapolis, but like even independent wrestling, there's just there's nobody. Now, one of the things in professional wrestling that has evolved in the last 15 to 20 years is the use of social media. It's become very important as a promotional tool, not only for the wrestlers themselves, but for the wrestling companies and sponsors and so forth to get word on wrestling shows, try to get word on the individual wrestlers and gain interest among fans. In your area and in like all of the towns where you wrestle regularly, do you think that the promoters and the wrestlers have a grasp of how to utilize social media to their ultimate benefit, or do you think that social media is something that some of the wrestlers and the wrestling promotions struggle with to really be able to use it successfully? Um, it all depends on the promotions you're going to. Uh, some of them, they, they push it very well. They have people set in place for their own company, that that's what they do. That that's all they do is push their social media stuff, get videos, get guys to send in promos, doing all that stuff. And then you have some that are, oh, you might see a poster. Who's even going to be wrestling? They just show up. There will be people there. I mean, some of them do it very well, and some of them do it very poorly. Now, one of the wrestlers that I saw similarities with uh, when I've seen you on YouTube as far as not only look but style in the ring, mannerisms, and overall package, uh, the two of you remind me of each other quite a bit, and that is Effie. Uh, Effie has become one of the most well-known 
independent wrestlers on the circuit. Do you watch yep. a lot of Effie, and has it been sort of a conscious effort on your part? I I literally I I know of him, and that's about it. I really don't watch too much modern wrestling. I watch like right now I'm working through all the WrestleManias, and I I like old NWA. Uh, it, I, I yeah I basically I I watch pay per views of stuff and that's that's about it. I otherwise I don't get much nowadays stuff. As far as what I can see, there's definite similarity, so you might want to take a look and just confirm or deny that at some point. Yeah. But uh, you, like we said, have to travel a lot to get to wrestling, and historically professional wrestling is a business that involves a lot of travel. Uh, wrestlers will go on tour sometimes for a few weeks at a time, as occasionally a few months at a time if they're going overseas. Do you personally like the travel aspect of professional wrestling? At times. I mean, there was a point in a few years ago where I loved traveling by myself. I just like being in the car by myself with nobody with me, and now it's trying to find some green kid that's going to drive me <laughs> just so I can, I know I, I work a lot during the week. So then I know I'm going to fall asleep on the way home. I feel bad, but I got to have somebody to help me drive home. But I, I mean, the stories that come in the car and the, everything that you, I mean, your half your gimmicks get thought of in the car and what you're going to do or something cool that we've seen or you and with cell phones and everything you get to you can pull something up and everybody is just in on the same thing that can help you tweak what you're doing to be just a little bit better now for these younger wrestlers that might be listening today a lot of these guys have not gone on the road yet, and they still wrestle in their hometown or very close to their hometown. What would you give a young wrestler as far as advice on how to successfully travel in professional wrestling? What road tips would you give them? Be a good co-pilot. Try to stay awake. Always try to stay awake. Have at least one person in the car that can stay awake with that driver because that's the person that's driving everybody. That and never bring tuna fish in the damn car. That shit stinks. I mean, some guys love it for the protein. Oh, but it, yeah, not in the car. It stinks in the car. We're in a tight, tight, tight space. True enough. Now, as someone that has gone in several different places in the Midwest, you've seen a lot of different venues, and we both know that in professional wrestling, if a promoter can stick a ring somewhere and set up a few chairs, they will try it, which leads to sometimes some really, really nice venues. Other times it's some really awkward venues. What would you say has been the best venue where you've wrestled? The best venue where I've wrestled? Uh, man. The coolest one would be for Below Zero. They were at this place in Fargo, North Dakota called The Sanctuary, and it was an old church. And it... It had two levels to it, and it just just the look of it. And they went and they made a thing to cover this the stained glass window that you came out, and they gave the. I mean, just the venue was. It, it's cool just to see. It's not the biggest place in the world. They can fit maybe 500 people, but it's got a two-level thing, and it's just it's a it's an old church they that you wrestle in. 
on the flip side of that, what would you say has been the strangest venue where you wrestled? Oh, I did one at like last year. One of my buddies that I that wrestles up here, Money Made Julian Richards. His wife is a school teacher, and for career day, they had us come in with a ring in like the late fall, so it was pretty cold. And I wear the trunks and. Just being in front of a bunch of like elementary children in my little trunks, it, yeah, it was it was just awkward. You spoke earlier of being able to pay the wrestlers and make it worthwhile and so forth financially. One of the things in the last few years that wrestlers have found is that merchandising can bring in significantly more revenue than the wrestling itself. Some wrestlers will set up a merchandise table and they'll make four or five times what they actually make for the match itself. What do you do as far as merchandise currently? Uh, I have shirts. I did have sunglasses there for a while. I just haven't reinvested. Uh, and I, I used to be in a, in a group with uh, the Snake Pit, and we we had shirts, we had rubber snakes. Uh, one of the guys' work is a mortician, so he would bring like weird stuff that he would buy, and, like sell. He'd sell like bones that he'd buy off the internet. I think it, he had a bag of uh, raccoon dicks, so then you could tell people that you to eat a bag of dicks. I'm sure that was popular with parents all over the wrestling circus. <laughs> now, obviously, when you wrestle, most of the time there's going to be quite a bit of time in the car or in an airplane or so forth, then you have the actual wrestling, and then back in a vehicle. And all of that can do a number on a person's body. One of the ways a lot of wrestlers have tried to stay ahead of the wear and tear is chiropractic adjustments. You personally do chiropractic work in order to keep your body in wrestling shape? Oh yeah, Kinesio Care, Doctor Colin. He uh, he straightens straightens me out nicely. Now I know a lot of wrestlers have gone to chiropractors, and the chiropractors have been in shock at the damage they see and the ability of the people to still be walking and functional. Does your chiropractor ever look at what your body is like and not fully believe that you're as upright as you are? Uh, at times, especially when I there there are some days where you know it just, it hurts to breathe, and it just trying to make a day at work, and you get there and he's like, yeah, you are uh, you're a little sideways right now. Yeah, he, uh, it, sometimes it, it takes a, a few different trips to get everything back to where you need it, or, and sometimes he's just got to tell me, hey, man, if you don't stop here for a little bit, you're really going to mess yourself up. Now, everyone in wrestling has their favorite move that they like to do whether it's their finishing move or just a move that they really enjoy executing for whatever reason. But on the flip side, there are moves that wrestlers absolutely hate to either execute themselves or to take from another wrestler. Do you have any moves like that that are your absolute nightmare to either 
try to execute it in a match or to take it during a match? Uh, I don't like fucking doing flips. Oh, my God, I landed on my head one time, and it scared the shit out of me ever since then. But otherwise, I'm willing to I'm willing to try anything. I just if if I'm not quite sure what it is, I like to go through it beforehand. And it's they I mean there's some things yeah. So you when your head's pointing at the ground, you just I, sometimes I just hope that I make it all the way over because it sometimes it's a long fall. Wrestling, one of the biggest fears a lot of wrestlers have is, of course, landing on their head and injuring their neck or getting concussed, things of that nature. Taking yourself out of the equation, what's the scariest landing you've ever seen someone take that involved a head or neck injury? Oh, I was like eight months into wrestling and I had a tag team partner Dags. We were facing a couple of guys from Omaha up here in Sioux Falls and green as hell I we were doing a street fight. So I mean you can use weapons to cover up all the shitty fucking wrestling. And my Dags is gonna take this doomsday device. And he goes to take the backflip off the shoulders with the clothesline and just goes straight down onto his head as I'm, like, off to the side fucking off. And it was terrifying. I mean, I was that, – that's one of the it, – it, it was scary. It, it messed with me for a little while because, I mean, that, you watch, I literally watched a man break his neck five feet away from me and then tried to continue the match. That's the old autopilot that so many of us have experienced in the course of our careers. Yeah. Yeah, and they, oh, man, because they, oh. And it was like something where, because I had to, we were partners, and I had to turn on him afterwards, and he, we, I was giving him a hug after the match and everything, because he ended up finishing the match out. He didn't do much, just kind of went off to the side, and it was an audible from there. And he, uh, I had to attack him after the match, not knowing he had a broken neck. He just knew he was hurt. And that, oh, that was, that I just remember him laying down on the couch in the back saying that his neck was burning. That was terrifying. No doubt about that. It's always scary when someone has a head or a neck issue. Now, for your own career... What are some of the injuries that you have had? Uh, that that have actually been completely diagnosed. Uh, separated shoulder is probably the worst one I've had. I mean, I had a broken pinky. My finger's still a little sideways. And, I mean, I think every one of us are we're hurt in some way. It's just if you're injured. I haven't – I've been – Fortunate enough not to get injured or out be set out for a sizable amount of time, but I, I mean I I've had to take about a month off in the last eight years. One of the things that a lot of wrestlers have implemented uh, from what I've observed in my time in wrestling is they will have tape rituals where a lot of guys have to apply their tape in a certain way where they will have to have a specific type of tape to use. Some people write messages or draw pictures on their tape. Do you have a specific tape ritual that you use? Uh... On uh, my right pinky, I put two pieces of tape for uh, a couple of guys that I used to travel with all the time, uh, Austin Schmidt and Arlen, darling Arlen, and Fitbit Schmidt. And we got thrown in a tag team one night, and we came out to 
shares if I could turn back time and we called ourselves Team Wet Dream and we all taped our pinky like that. And now, ever since then, I, we would, I, I tape my pinky, those guys tape their pinky, and it's just kind of like our inside. Hey, this, that's our group that we never got to really have. We got to tag once. Of course, everyone that wrestles knows tag team wrestling is a very different animal than singles wrestling. There's a different mindset. There's a different way you would wrestle and a different way you would train for it. Do you personally have a preference when it comes to tag teams versus singles? Uh, you know, it all depends on the night. Some nights I, I like doing, uh, I, I want to do all my own stuff and I want to be in my singles match. And then there's some nights where it's like, you know, I I don't want to have to remember as much. <laughs> Let me just sit off here and uh, I, I like getting amped on the apron, cheering on my man until I can get a hot tag or something. I mean, it, it all depends on the night, if, if what you, how, how much I want to put into what I'm doing that night. One of the other matches that wrestlers are polar opposites on a lot of time is the Battle Royal. Some guys love jumping into Battle Royals. Other guys despise it and sometimes even refuse to be in the Battle Royals. Where do you stand when it comes to the Battle Royal match? Well, if they if they ask me, I'm dibs and I get to go over. Uh, otherwise, you know, I... I, I don't mind doing it. Um, I it, it all depends, and it's all on the night. Same thing. I, there's a time and place for a battle royal. It doesn't need to be every show. I mean, thanks, guys, for showing up and helping set up the ring sometimes. I, I mean, I've been there where I showed up, set up a ring, and I got nothing. Yeah, I mean, sometimes that shit happens, but not every night needs a battle royal. But some nights it... We we need a little bit longer show, and the fans are having fun. Give them a battle royal at the end. Now, also, one of the things in wrestling that is very, very popular is the stipulation match. There's been dozens upon dozens from the big companies to the smallest of independents, you've seen steel cage matches, barbed wire rope matches, TLC matches. There's been two out of three falls matches, so many stipulations. Do you personally have a favorite stipulation match that you do? Oh. You know, I don't really do too many of them. I did a... I did, uh, um, what did they call it, a Giggles Funhouse match or something? There was this clown that wrestled around here named Giggles, and it was basically a no-DQ match, and he would take balloons and tie balloon, colored balloons to each corner, and you would have to get to each corner and pop your colored balloons to win. And... Yeah, I don't know, that was a, that was a pretty fun match. It, it, the the crowd was entertained, kind of like the the four corner match or whatever, and the, the crowd was entertained. They loved it. They ate it up. I mean, they're, they they get their weapons and stuff, and then at the same time, you you just have like the countdown is going back and forth. So like a two or uh, two out of three fall or whatever. A lot of times in the wrestling industry, the promoters will use television as a marketing, whether it's traditional television on broadcast TV or cable channels. In these modern times, there are several streaming services that air independent wrestling so fans can find wrestling that they like that is nowhere near where they live and still follow that promotion. Do you think that 
because of the streaming services and things like YouTube that live attendance at independent shows gets hurt by that because fans will stay home and watch wrestling? Or do you think it helps boost the interest of the live events and helps the ticket sales? Uh, you know, I've never really looked at that aspect of it. Uh, I suppose it, it, it could go both ways. It all depends on how popular your company is and who you have on that people want to see. I mean, if, if people are tuning in because you've got some hot shit going on, you're probably making money off of all that. But if you've got mediocre people, there's mediocre guys coming in, your streaming stuff isn't going to be as big as what you want it to be, but hopefully the people are showing up to your shows. Well, at the shows that you do, do you see a lot of the fans that are more modern wrestling fans that follow on television or do you see fans that have been around since the AWA was coming to town and Stu Hart was bringing wrestling to town and they've just always remained fans and come out because it is pro wrestling? You know, I I see see a little bit of both. You, you have guys that come to our shows that are they're front row every week. They've been around for a while. They love wrestling. They they know how to be a fan and how to help us help them in a, in a show. And then you have you also have new people. You have young people that are like weren't even around when the Monday Night Wars were going on, and and they're just seeing what they see on AEW and WWE right now. And I mean they they want to see all those big flippy moves, but. And I see them not into the matches, the classic, more classic wrestling matches than more the more spot than what you see. Just from your own observations of the crowd, do you get a bigger reaction if you're doing something more modern, like if you're doing a dive to the floor or you're doing a spot with a table, or do you get a bigger reaction from doing something more basic, like a big body slam or just a simple drop kick? I I do a lot of hip thrusting, and I get a pretty good reaction out of uh, when I, when I uh, do hip, a lot of hip thrusting towards my opponent. I mean, I... I I I have a very character based or a very character based wrestling is what I do, and there is a a lot of banging shit we shall say, in uh in my wrestling matches, and that usually gets a, a fairly good reaction. Otherwise, you know, it it they they it, it all depends on your show. It, you have guys that they can go out there and they can perform their asses off. And then you have other guys that go out there and they try to do a wrestling match and there's nothing because the crowd, they want to hear that big bang boom all the time. But every match can't be that because you you have to have your variety of all aspects of wrestling throughout that night. But I see the like crowds reacting more to the big the big stuff. Now the character work in wrestling like you mentioned, a lot of fans really get into that and they respond more to a character than they do the actual in ring wrestling and there are fans that want to see almost exclusively in-ring action and very little as far as character and uh, vignettes and things of that nature. Do you think, by and large, a lot of the shows that you do has found that balance of 
in-ring wrestling with character, or do you think that it's uh, something that's still being tried to make fit for everyone's enjoyment? Um, I, I, there, there are characters, and I, I mean, it, it seems like. They're try it seems like the company mo- the majority of the companies have a good balance of characters and wrestlers uh there are some guys that you know they go out there and they're really good, but they they, they can't pick up a microphone, which you know i i'm not, I know I'm not the best at being on the microphone, but no one ever lets me have it it's uh, maybe I just need to take it but the the characters around here uh, I like to see outlandish characters uh just I, wrestling i want to i want to laugh when i watch wrestling it's a, it, it's my escape for happiness and they're they're i push guys around me to do more of that kind of stuff in my personal stuff and they they usually come back with some dumber stuff that they give me and of course i have to try it As far as characters go, we've seen hundreds of hundreds of them in wrestling. But from shows that you do, do you think that older characters from the past, like a Kamala or a George Steele, can get a lot of traction with the fans of today? Or do you see that more modern characters are what the fans gravitate towards. I think, it, like, a George Steele would probably still get over it. Eating the turnbuckle and everything and just being a caveman. I th- Yeah, I, th- I think, like, something like that, that, that would still get over. I mean, it, it's all what you can make them believe, what you can get them to be behind. If you can portray that and it's believable... They're going to believe you. One of the big things in pro wrestling over the last decade or so is the influx in America of Japanese wrestling. Uh, Magazines have always covered it marginally, but in the last few years, New Japan Pro Wrestling has become so popular in the United States that they do standalone tours of major American markets in very big arenas and New Japan is on Access TV in the United States so they have a good cable channel clearance. What do you think of the influx of Japanese wrestling into America when in years past a lot of American fans just did not seem to care for it as far as a mainstream alternative. Well, that's that's the great thing about wrestling is wrestling it's art, and it's all in the eye of the beholder. Someone might like it, someone might not. Um, I mean, it's wonderful that they that Japanese wrestlers can get here and they can stream here and bring their shows here and everything. Um, I mean, it's it's all the variety of it. Someone might see it for the first time and be like, that is awesome. That is what I want to watch now. That's what I want to pursue. I mean, I I just love wrestling. That, that I'm just behind all of it. You give me a match, you give me something to watch, I, I'll watch it. I just enjoy being in the ring. I like watching it. I just like being around it. You, you It doesn't matter where it's from to me. It's just wrestling. it's it's fun to watch. It's a great escape. In a similar vein, wrestling in Europe has also become fairly popular in the United States, and we're seeing a lot more promotions pop up all over Europe, and they have a much different style in Europe where it's more mat-based wrestling and Greco-Roman type of thing. Do you personally enjoy that style of wrestling? 
Uh, not not as much. I mean, it, it's watching. It's fun watching uh, men try to just actually just overpower each other, just have complete dominance. But I don't want that to happen to me because, yeah, I don't want to look like a pussy. But I mean, to each their own. It, 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 when I was in high school, I I loved that kind of stuff. Now, I mean, I I, I don't tune in as much. One of the things that some companies have been doing is live over the PA commentary at independent shows. Uh, a lot of promoters will have people just do live commentary on the PA so everyone in the auditorium can hear it. And I believe a lot of times it is to give the fans the same experience as what they would get if they were sat at home watching the show. Many, many times from what I observed, it does not work very well because very few people understand how to do it properly. Sometimes it can help with a new fan base as far as educating them on the talents and what pro wrestling is, but it's sort of a rare thing when that happens. Do you run into very many shows where they are doing live commentary on the PA? No, this is like the first time I've heard of it, but it sounds interesting. It yeah, can be if you get that someone happens. that knows what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I could understand that. I've listened to some matches and stuff online and they, yeah, there are some commentators that should just put the microphone down. <laughs> For sure, and it, it's very tough doing it live over the PA because then everybody can hear what is being said, which kind of uh, yeah. takes away from certain matches if it's something you don't really want people to hear. We also have seen in recent times a lot of companies have come out with championships that represent the Internet. Uh, you've seen YouTube champions. Uh, in the old territory days, a lot of companies had television champions because that was a big uh, forum back then. Impact Wrestling has a digital media championship currently that they use. Do you like seeing championships that are representative of the Internet and digital age, or do you think that championships should be based on more like geographical and the style of the divisions that they represent? Uh. I mean, it, it really it doesn't matter. I think it's neat. You you can go anywhere then, uh, but it it, it lets it, let, it gets people all over to be involved and get behind this one person that maybe is unknown to different areas. And I mean, it, it can elevate someone to maybe the next level that they need to be at if it goes on to the right person. Lots of times pro wrestlers at some point in their career will start thinking of what they would do if they ran their own company and were the promoter and was able to do what they wanted some wrestlers give it a thought and then drop it. Others try it out. Some of them gravitate towards the promoting in and never let go of that. Have you personally ever given thought to opening up your own wrestling company? <laughs> My wife has told me that we can't get a wrestling ring until I get her a house in the country. <laughs> I mean, I, I would love to do something like that, but yeah, yeah. My wife would kill me. 
And once you get the house in the country, are you going to make sure there's enough acreage you could build a small-scale arena in the back to house the promotion? See, you're, you're getting it. You're, she, she doesn't see it. She just thinks it's the ring. There's a whole bunch of stuff that come with this. You've got to build a, a ring barn to protect your ring, and if you're going to do that, you yeah. might as well throw in some uh, seating there. Yeah, and I I build I make steel siding for a living, so the, hell, I got free steel. We'll just make that bad boy. There you go. I think maybe we're on to Nitro Championship Wrestling in the next few years. <laughs> well, I know uh, you are a busy man, and I don't want to take up all of your time this afternoon, so. If there is anything you would like to say in closing, if you want to plug and promote absolutely anything from merchandise to upcoming appearances to your social media to your favorite seafood restaurant, anything in the world, floor is yours. Ooh. First off, I just want to know why uh, Nick Densmore is your nemesis. He and I had a feud that culminated into him challenging me to a false count anywhere, no holds barred, hair versus hair tag team match, which he cheated to win. And then after I tripped him with the contract and put my partner's hair on the line and not mine, he attacked me and made sure my hair got shaved anyway. Who does that to a man? <laughs> Nick Dedsmore. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Oh. Oh man, he I he trained me for five about five years. He was my trained me and everything, and I got to know him and went on the road with him a little bit. And that just that definitely sounds like Nick Densmore. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. Well, anyways, you can find me on Facebook at Brandon Nitro or Instagram at Land Heartthrob. Uh, I do Twitter. I think I'm on Heartland Heartthrob on Twitter as well. Uh, you can find me on Snapchat, uh, Boss Nitro 365. Uh, you can see me at upcoming events in the, at uh, Magnum Wrestling in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, 929. I will be defending my Top Gun Championship down there, uh, or I will be at uh, the Summer's Night main event for Below Zero in Fargo, North Dakota, September 23rd, so next weekend challenging Gino Rivera for the Below Zero Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I will also be October 7th in Montana somewhere. I don't even know. <laughs> Rich, Richland, Montana, facing Bobby Brennan. Uh, then uh, October 14th in Minot, North Dakota, for uh, Cloud Nine Wrestling and eight million different shows. If you look up Flagship Pro Wrestling and their training school, I help with training out there nowadays. Uh, otherwise, I, I don't. I, I, if you want my merch, you just got to message me on uh, online. I have it on there. Uh, that's about all I do for that. Uh, and that's about all I have coming up so far. Well, Brandon Nitro, I want to thank you very much, and I will be sure to follow you there on the Twitter, and I'm sure my mom will be watching your matches because you are her favorite wrestler, apparently, and I want to wish you the yes, best sir. of luck as you continue, and I look forward to... Nitro Championship Wrestling getting started in the next few years. Hell yeah. All right, fans, definitely check out Brandon Nitro. He's extremely entertaining. I think you will definitely enjoy him. He's doing great things there in the Midwest, so follow him. Keep track of him. We will be back with you on Sunday afternoon. We have Zane Paisley back on the show. He is getting ready to promote his first ever wrestling event. He is raising funds for his son's school and getting into the promotional game for that. And, of course, you can find him on several different wrestling shows as a ring announcer. But he returns 
next Friday afternoon. We also will be back with you right here. And I want you to make plans to be with us because coming up next week, we have a Finnish wrestler out of the state of Wisconsin. He wrestles uh, locally there, so I think you will enjoy that. We don't have a lot of Finnish wrestlers on the show, so I think that will definitely be a treat. So make sure you join us then. Everybody stay safe out there. Get out support your local independent wrestling wherever it may be near you. And we will talk to you soon.